much oh jack Leiter and kumar rocker made their spring debuts for the rangers where should kumar rocker start his season also how should bruce bochi align the texas rangers starting pitching rotation at the big league level all that and more on this episode of locked on rangers let's get into it you are locked on rangers your daily texas rangers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started now let's take a little bit of a look at what is going on with the rangers yesterday's game the rangers won six to four against the colorado rockies some highlights of that game so marcus simeon had a three hit day cody bradford uh, the lefty started out there looked pretty solid in his i believe spring debut clint frazier and brad miller homeward also kumar rocker and jack Leiter both made their spring debuts we'll get into that a little bit more what they had to say about it and some thoughts i have on kumar rocker in general but we also got some injury updates from the beat writers this morning this afternoon um First of which is Nathan Eovaldi has left side tightness, kind of similar to Jacob deGrom's injury, so he will miss his next start. The team will give him a couple days to recover. Shouldn't be that big a deal, they are thinking at this point. Jose Leclerc has a neck discomfort, and according to GM, quote, uh, they're monitoring his status as to whether... We let him go to the World Baseball Classic or not. It's something he can pitch through right now, but we want to make sure he's 100%, end quote. That is from Chris Young per Levi Weaver. Also, Rangers prospect, pitching prospect Owen White, one of the top prospects in the system, my number three prospect on the my preseason list. He has tightness in the right side of his neck. He will be held out of action for the next couple of days. Jake Odorizzi is still continuing to build up. We haven't seen him in the game just yet. He came into the camp uh, a little bit behind, has some arm fatigue, and threw a light bullpen yesterday. I don't know what a light bullpen is, um, but that's what Levi tweeted, so that is what I'm saying and relaying on to you. Make your own conclusions about what a light bullpen is. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, better than a dark bullpen? Um, anyway, <laughs> another thing that I think is worthy of noting, the Rangers have two games today that are going on uh, about five minutes into me starting this recording, uh, but in the kind of A game, we have, uh, this is something that Levi has been trafficking track tracking uh since the start of spring training robbie grossman is making his fourth start in left field he was doing a left field track because he thought okay there's gonna be a bunch of different guys starting in left field and well uh we got five six games maybe seven today uh that or as of today that will have happened and uh yeah four of them six i think um yeah, because there have only been two other players to start in left field. One of them is Clint Frazier, who has one game. Josh Smith has one more, one other game. Uh, and Robbie Grossman has the other four starts in left field. So kind of seems like the one position battle we thought that we would have going into the spring is already done. It's going to be Robbie Grossman. He's going to be the Rangers left fielder. And uh, sure, fine. 
I think it's pretty good. He has been doing fairly well uh, so far in the spring. Uh, had has a home run this spring. Is hitting uh, 600, I believe, as of uh, the most recent game. Uh, not the one that is either currently going on or just happened uh, as you are listening to this. But uh, yeah, so exciting stuff from him in the spring. Yeah, two for three for five. Excuse me, with a home run, four RBI on base of 714, uh, 19-14 OPS. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to translate in the regular season of having a 19-14 OPS and unless just uh, he gets possessed by the spirit of Barry Bonds. Even then, that would be a bit much, but it's exciting. It's good to see him have a good spring and see him in a good way. Now, let's look a little bit at Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, the most exciting part of yesterday's game. Uh, all, all due respect to Clint Frazier and Brad Miller's home runs. That was by far the thing that I was watching the most, uh, and also all due respect to Ian Kennedy's uh, multiple home runs that he gave up and Joe Barlow's one home run that he gave up and a pretty solid first or two innings from Cody Bradford, the left-hander who's pitching prospect that I had a really look. I think I put him on here. Um, yeah, 15 in my preseason top ranking list. So yeah, I really like Cody Bradford as well. Kind of cool to see him get the start uh, in a game that also was scheduled to have Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Like, oh, Cody Bradford gets to start? That's a nice little nod to him. But anyway, both those guys looked pretty solid. Uh, the velocity from Kumar Rocker wasn't exactly what I wanted to see. It was kind of, I think... Uh, what I saw on Twitter was 92 to 94, which is fine. Nobody needs to be throwing 100% full gas from the very start of spring training. Looks like Nate Eovaldi was doing that uh, in the upper 90s in his first start. And, well, now he's got some left side tightness, so you got to build up to that stuff. Um, but Rocker did say about that 99-mile-an-hour uh, sinker that he threw to uh, Josh Young. He said, yeah, it's probably more about 97. So uh, that was a fun little tidbit Evan Grant wrote about a week ago, maybe three days ago. I don't know. Uh, what is time? It's March. I still can't believe we're already there. But both those guys look solid, pitched scoreless innings. Uh, Jack Leiter got the win, the most meaningless stat, a win in a spring training game. But uh, congrats to him. Pitched a perfect inning, got a strikeout, looked really good. Kumar Rocker uh, allowed one hit, no walks. I believe he did hit a batter as well, but then got him out, uh, caught stealing. That was fun, a little fun little thing for him. Uh, but scoreless inning, no strikeouts, no walks. Good deal. Good for them. Getting on the mound, feeling pretty good. Uh, Bruce Bochy said that they both threw well and have great stuff. And he said it was great to see them, you know, get out there and get their feet wet. Um, he said, quote, it's uh, it's only going to get better with these two. And personally, it was looking forward to seeing them myself. Both, I thought, handled himself well. And the lead, the leadoff man got on. But the important thing is how they handled that and they handled it well. Uh, I think I got that confused that uh, Rocker allowed a hit and then lighter was the one who hit a batter and then got him caught stealing um this is what kumar rocker had to say about his debut he said quote it was the second time of kind of being in that stadium and environment because he was in the arizona fall league there um he said it felt a, a little bit more official that way and i feel a little more comfortable i definitely feel better throwing the ball out there and quote um Jack Leiter, who had a difficult season last year, learned a lot about himself and about routines and about being a professional and about how uh, deadly hitters are a lot better than SEC hitters. Um, this is what he had to say yesterday. He said, quote, these guys are uh, no, sorry. Uh, he said, I just think overall uh, it's been a lot more comfortable as a whole in spring training. Being in big league camp feels more comfortable. I feel like, you know, I had a really good off season. I was productive. So I feel good about where everything's at. It's like an endless bank of knowledge that we have in the clubhouse and on the field. 
with uh, obviously the Maddoxes, you know, Greg and Mike, um, I think I've learned a lot. I'm just trying to listen and quietly just observe uh, as they go about, about their business, end quote. That's, those are some two really, really great guys to learn from. Also, you know, Jacob deGrom, not a bad guy to go and follow around and, and see how he does his stuff. Same with Nathan Eovaldi, same with Martin Perez, John Gray, all these guys who have been pros for a long time. But uh, yeah, Greg Maddox. Good guy to learn from as a pitcher. And uh, one of the things that Bruce Bochy said um, at the end was just saying, uh, quote, these guys will let you know when they're ready. And I thought that was a great quote and really kind of got me excited about both these guys. Coming up, we're going to look at where Kumar Rocker should probably start his season, what that rotation is going to look like, and what are some expectations for him and this starting rotation and what it should look like. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway's point of the NBA season is here now, and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on all kinds of things, from the money line to point scores and three strain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay as well so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the mba now Let's look at Kumar Rocker. Where should he start his season? Last year, we saw Jack Leiter make his professional debut at AA, which was an aggressive jump. Leiter is, well, I think they're they're both about the same age. Uh, obviously, Leiter was a year younger than Rocker when he made his professional debut, or I guess AA debut. And Rocker was maybe a little bit more polished. I think he had more. He definitely had more innings under his belt in college than Leiter did. But, you know, Leiter was still a very, very polished pitcher when he came into the minor leagues. We saw a little bit of action in the Arizona Fall League from Kumar Rocker last year. That was where he made his minor league debut, made his professional debut in the Frontier League before he was drafted. Um, so Rocker does have a little bit more experience. He is a little bit older. But I do still think that I would rather Kumar Rocker start the season in high A Hickory. Honestly, looking back, I think I probably would have rather had Jack Leiter start the season in high a hickory as well because it was such a difficult transition such a big ask but like it was it was jack Leiter. he was a number two overall pick he was you know son of a 20-year big leaguer multi-time all-star like uh, a guy who had won a world series like he, he was probably going to start in double a like if not for just the marketing alone and i think he was ready it was just a little bit of a tough test but I, I think that with rocker because he is working on a bunch of different things he is kind of reworking his delivery in a way that jack Leiter wasn't i would feel a lot more comfortable with him starting in high a i think he's going to go there and i think he's going to dominate but just get that little bit of comfort under your belt like oh yeah i remember i am an absolute beast not having to start your minor league career or your you know full season minor league career in a place where you're getting lit up a little bit and how hitters are so incredibly good. It's they'll be much better than anything he's faced in the frontier league or in the Arizona fall league as well in that Texas league. If he started in double a plus the double a rotation is pretty stacked right now. At this point, I would think it kind of stacks up like this with Owen white. Um, assuming this neck thing doesn't 
end up spiraling too much as the opening day starter, uh, or maybe it's Jack Leiter. Then you have Cody Bradford, who I think will be in double-A probably to start the season. He might end up in triple-A. That's a question mark at this point. Antoine Kelly is going to be there. Uh, we'll see what the deal is with him. Uh, I saw him a little bit one, one outing last year that was a little bit rough. He's kind of a wild man, but the stuff is really raw and uh, really nice. Um, and at the number five spot in that rotation, I think it's going to be one of Ricky Venasco or Takoa Roby. Both those guys had kind of mixed bag seasons in high A last year. Roby, I think, had a little bit better of a season. Both of them ended on very strong notes. Ricky Venasco is quite a bit older than Takoa Roby, so I think he might have the edge there. I think Roby will make his way to double a at some point next season because i really really like his stuff and i I think that he is better than the results and i think he's going to jump up on some prospect lists at the mid-season mark mine included um but that is six guys that i just rattled off and that is before i even got to kumar rogger so i think he'll probably start in hickory that rotation i think is going to be really solid there's a lot of guys at that level there's just a lot of pitching prospects in the system going through this uh, little exercise right here making me realize like oh this the state of the pitching on this farm is really darn good. So at this point, I think the Hickory rotation would look something like this. Kumar Rocker, would, if he is there, he's probably going to be the opening day starter. And I think he should be. There's also Dane Acker at that level, Ryan Garcia, Mitch Bratt, um, possibly Emiliano Teodo, Josh Steffen, and Larson Kendrick, possibly. And that's what? seven guys that I just listed off. Let's see if we can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. Seven guys there. I listed six in that double A rotation. Um, it's a lot of quality starting pitchers. I mean, maybe Cody Bradford ends up in, in triple A and maybe Antoine Kelly, they decide to just go ahead and fast track, track him to the bullpen, which I think is a real option and probably the most likely scenario with him because his stuff is so nasty and he doesn't really know where it's going at this moment. If you can figure that out, that will keep him as a starting pitcher. But either way, the stuff's real nasty, and he's got a lot of potential there, as do pretty much all of those guys that I just listed off. Like They do have the ceiling of being, at the very least, a number five in a big league rotation. That is 13 guys that I just listed, with the, at least the ceiling of being a number four or five in a big league rotation. That's very difficult to do that is not something that you have in a lot of systems and the rangers have that and i didn't even mention any of the guys who i think are going to start in triple a or the guys who are going to start in low a and i haven't even talked about brock porter yet that's kind of a picture of how deep the pitching on this farm system is and speaking of the depth of the pitching let's look at the big league rotation uh, because it is an exciting one and one of the deepest that the Rangers have had in many, many moons. Uh, so at this point, I want to look at a little bit of ro- like expectations of where I have these guys, just kind of ranking those. Obviously, DeGrom, I have the highest expectations for him. Self-explanatory, he's Jacob freaking DeGrom. Uh, he's the best pitcher on the planet. End, end of story. Uh, second highest expectations, I, I have really high expectations for Nathan Eovaldi. Um, hoping that this this side tightness doesn't spiral and it can hand, be handled just as nicely as Jacob DeGrom's was. Um, and we can just, we can freak out less about that collectively as a baseball internet, as a Rangers fandom than we did about DeGrom's. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think it'll be fine. And I have really high expectations for him because he has shown that incredibly high ceiling. John Gray, I think I have the next highest expectations for. Maybe... 
No, no, let's flip that. I got to put Martin Perez up there because what he did last year, I've said a million times, I don't think was a fluke. Maybe it'll come back down to earth just a little bit next year uh, or this year, I guess I should say. But I, I actually do have those high expectations. He's making a lot of money on this one-year deal for this qualifying offer. And I wish they could assign him to something in the like $15 million range for like three years and kind of committed to him. But this gives him another trial run, and if it goes well, if it goes as well as last year, then he's going to be making about probably 18 to $20 million a year on like a three- to four-year contract uh, this coming season, or this coming offseason, as opposed to, um, you know, the maybe 10 to $15 million that if he kind of falls back down to earth that I think he probably would make. But expectations for me are high for Martin Perez, and uh, I... I think he's going to have another bounce back season and the price of the brick is going up for him. It is going way up because he is really darn good. Um, next on here, I have John Gray and then Andrew Heaney uh, is just a little bit after that. I don't have super high expectations for Heaney. I think it's a really good, a really good deal. The Rangers got him on and having him as your number five starter is just shows how deep this rotation is and having legitimately five, six, six big league capable big league starters is something this rotation hasn't had in since the playoff drought really that I think is one of the biggest differences but as to how I would start the season in terms of what order I put these guys in um you know I really have to think about the number one who's going to be the opening day starter no it's it's going to be Jacob deGrom duh duh uh, and then I put Martin Perez second in this rotation possibly because I think he might end up being the second best pitcher in this rotation this year. I really do. Um, and partially just putting another lefty, putting a lefty out there because in a series going from facing Jacob Degrom, who is this um, otherworldly stuff, incredible velo, incredible swing and miss. Um, and then the next day in a series, you have to go and face Martin Perez, who is a crafty lefty who gets you with guile and, uh, pitch placement and uh, making you swing at bad pitches and drive them into the freaking dirt. Um, I think that's a really fun and uh, mean thing to do to your opponents. I think that'd be um, a good way to set up this rotation. Next, I have Nathan Eovaldi on on the number uh, three spot in rotation, then John Gray, then Andrew Heaney. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe Jake Odorizzi at the number six spot in the rotation. I mean, they've been a lot of different people have been asked about the Rangers possibly going to a six man rotation. Um, Chris Young said it's a possibility that they're considering uh, Greg Maddox or yeah, no, Mike Maddox said uh, that they were they were thinking about it. But it kind of it kind of depends on how, you know, how the season stacks up. I mean, right now. If you're looking early on in the season, the Rangers have a lot of off days. There's four off days in um, April slash March. I mean, it's literally one day in in March. They go for opening day on the 29th. Uh, Yeah, 30th. Yeah, there's 31 days in March. Totally knew that. Um, So they go for opening day on the Thursday, the 30th, and you have that Friday off. Um, And then you have two, three more off days or three off days in April, all on Thursdays, uh, the 6th, 13th, and 12th. So, yeah, not any prolonged stretches there where the Rangers are going to be asked to do a whole lot and where you could keep that five-man rotation. Everybody can get, um, you know, their normal rest and maybe even a little bit of extra rest. I think that'd be good. Um, Then you look at uh, May. It's the same. There's four days off there. In June, it's a little bit less. Uh, There are... uh, three days off in the month of June. 
um, starting on the first. All these are on Thursdays. I don't have any Monday off days. Like it feels like. Uh, yeah, they have okay one one Monday off day in the first three months of the season, and that is uh, May first, and that's that's it <laughs> until uh, July when you have the uh, home run derby on Monday, July 10th. So not a whole lot of Monday off days for this team, a lot of Thursday off days, just something to plan your schedule around if you're planning your schedule around baseball like I am at this moment. But I think that it would be something that the Rangers should do at some point. I think later on in the season is when it's more likely that they'll go to a six-man rotation, but that also assumes that all six of these guys are healthy and not sure that's necessarily going to be the case. Hopefully, yes, it is. Um, there's, but it's entirely possible that that is very much not the case. And in September, there's only two off days in that month to close out the season. There's, um, a couple of week long road trips in the middle from, uh, the 11th of September, all the way to the 17th, they travel to, um, Toronto and for four games. And then they travel to Cleveland for three games as well. And they come back and they've got a West coast road trip to end the season, um, with three games against the angels, uh, on the 25th through 27th. And then they end the season in Seattle from the 28th to uh, October 1st. So I think later on in the season, that might be more of a possibility. Maybe in the month of uh, May, they kind of look at doing that a little bit. But I don't think it's necessarily something, especially because they got month of May is going to be a little tough. They got an off day on the fourth. Um, oh, and the first. So they got a couple off days there, but then they have a really long West Coast road trip um, from May 5th all the way to May 14th, where they travel to Anaheim, then up to Seattle, then down to Oakland for four games to close that out and then come back and have three games against the Braves. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, hopefully you get some rest in on the flight back from Oakland on the 14th because uh, you got a, a tough three-game series there. Um, but uh, the rest the rest of the month of May, uh, outside of that long road trip and those three games against the Braves, I think should be really great for the Rangers because they uh, the final three series of the month of May have three games against the Pirates, then against the Orioles, which should be tough, but then uh, end it with three games at the Tigers. So that should be, um, <laughs> that should be uh, hopefully some wins there. Um, but yeah, when we're talking about the depth of this rotation before I got completely spun off on that. The last time the Rangers had depth like this, where they had six guys who I felt comfortable being actual capable major league pitchers uh, it's in its starting rotation was probably 2016. I mean, that was a really, really deep rotation. They had Cole Hamels. Hugh Darvish came back towards the end of the year. Derek Holland was there and was fine. Uh, A.J. Griffin was the weak link in that rotation, but he still pitched 119 innings with an ERA just over five. They also had Colby Lewis being more than serviceable. Derek Holland uh, being fine. Martin Perez, that was probably his best year before this past year. And he was he threw almost 200 innings, uh, literally an inning and a third shy of that. And Cole Hamels was... Well, he was his Cole Hamill self. Um, he was, you know, 332 ERA, 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. He was just what he did, what Cole Hamill's did. And, you know, that was the last time the Rangers made the playoffs. And I think this Rangers team might be better than that 2016 um, Rangers team. I mean, it's close. The bullpen that year was absolutely disgusting. And I think that really, really helped them because that was the year they had the insane record in those one run games. But I think the offense for, for Texas is deeper this year. I mean, that year they had Adrian Beltre doing Adrian Beltre things. They had the career year from Elvis Andrews when he had um, an 800 OPS. They had Rugnado Dor 
at his peak. Robinson Chirinos was fantastic that year. Mazzara was um, participating. They got uh, a little bit out of um, Carlos Beltran. Shinsu Chu was was pretty fine. Ian Desmond had that year. That was a great Ian Desmond year. Um, but I think this offense is deeper. I don't think that anybody on this team is as good as Adrian Beltre. Um, but you know, that's an incredibly high compliment to give anybody to say that they're as good as Adrian Beltre, but the depth of, you know, say the second through fourth or fifth best position player, I think is significantly better this year than it was in 2016. But I mean, you look at some of those rotations from the playoff years, look at 2015 as well. There was also a pretty deep rotation did see a lot of starts from Wandy Rodriguez, but they had six guys who made 12 or more starts in the year, and none of them had an ERA over five. Wandy Rodriguez had a 4.9 ERA. Kobe Lewis led the team with 200 innings and a 4.66 ERA. But, um, you know, everybody else had an ERA under four and a half. Martin Perez, who got injured that year, only threw 79 innings. You had Cole Hamels. You had Giovanni Gallardo being fantastic that year. Nick Martinez had a sub four ERA. Uh, in 125 innings that year, that was a pretty deep rotation. I and mean, look at 2012. That, I think, was probably the best rotation that the Rangers have had. Martin Perez was, uh, no, not there. Matt Harrison. Sorry, I got confused. Uh, Matt Harrison had that fantastic year as you Darvish's rookie year. Um, maybe not, maybe 2011 was a little bit better um, in terms of just depth, but they didn't have a you Darvish there. So obviously, um, the top end was was missing, but 2010 did have Cliff Lee in that rotation. But they had Derek Holland that year, Kobe uh, Kobe Lewis as well. 2011 was incredibly deep. C.J. Wilson was was we forget uh, because he's kind of annoying sometimes. I kind of forget that he was a really really good pitcher, um, just because his whole persona was just kind of just off putting and lame. Um, but he was really, really good in that 2011 season. I mean, the Rangers had five guys in the rotation with a sub four and a half ERA. Four of the five had a sub four ERA. Colby Lewis had a four, four. Um, Derek Holland was the next highest with a three, nine, five and CJ Wilson was below three. And that offense was absolutely incredible. Bullpen was not great that year, but it was just a solid depth of a rotation. And in 2010, you had C.J. Wilson, you had Colby Lewis, probably his best year, um, and then Cliff Lee in that playoff stretch, along with Scott Feldman um, participating occasionally, and Tommy Hunter, and also Alexi freaking Ogando, who, talk about a blast from the past, but that guy was a guy who I think really doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he was in such an important way for those Rangers teams in the 2010s. But this depth is is solid. The Rangers have a, the best pitcher who I think they have ever had in Jacob deGrom. If he is his Jacob deGromness, he is better than um, Cliff Lee. He is better than Yu Darvish. He is better than Nolan Ryan. No, that's not sacrilegious to say. Jacob deGrom is just that freaking good. But you look at two through five in this rotation, all solid adult big leaguers, and Jacob Rizzi is your depth at six. And then you look behind that, you have Dane Dunning, Cole Reagans, and then uh, we'll see about if Glenn Otto or Zach Kent or Jake Latz are in there as well. But that's that's eight deep on guys who I'd feel solid about giving four, at least five innings to. That's solid. That's about what the Rangers had last year. They had eight pitchers go five or more starts last year. So that's about all you need. Um, and hopefully, in a, in a normal year, hopefully, assuming that this 
rotation that is filled with um, some potholes and um, some question marks and some potential for injury doesn't have you know anything horrendous happen to them. But even if it does, like I said, you've got that depth that hopefully you're not having to stretch into nine or ten guys having to make five or more starts for you next year. Hopefully it's uh, six, maybe seven going uh, eight or more starts. That's what I'm hoping. That means that everybody's healthy and everybody's dealing and uh, life is good and the world is still spinning normally and the way the Rangers want it to. So, yeah, it's it's just really impressive looking at the depth in this rotation compared to what it's been in years past, especially remember that 2019 season where the Rangers had the two highest baseball reference war seasons by any starting pitcher they've ever had. And then the third starter was Ariel Jurado. Uh, <laughs> it's come a long way in terms of depth since then. And uh, I am really excited to see what it looks like actually on the field. So freaking ready for opening day, four and a half ish, a little over four weeks away going to be a lot of fun but that is going to do it for this edition of locked on raiders on tomorrow's show i will be talking a little bit about these two games happening today hopefully some more positive updates jacob de i believe is throwing a bullpen today maybe we'll get some more news about that and we can upgrade the upgrade the def grom rankings system but thank y'all so much for making locked on rangers your first listen every day now for your second listen go check out locked on fantasy baseball win your league by listening to matt and dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies find locked on fantasy baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube part of the locked on podcast network your team every day thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing until next time don't forget to enjoy baseball